1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to FF1S, except this isn't FF1S because there's no F1 going on. And as we all know, when there isn't a race, nothing happens in Formula 1. So instead, we're going to bring you something even better than Formula 1. Skiing. Terry, you a fan? I have not been skiing. Okay, snowboarding. Not since the Schumacher accident. (laughs) Snowboarding, (laughs) luge. I like the idea of luge because I like the look of the suits. I once went ice skating in Edinburgh and fell over after five minutes. So that's my um, winter sports career. Good. Well, I think that makes us about as qualified to talk about skiing as we are for uh, Formula One. But actually, it's not going to be us talking about it. We're going to hand over to one of our reserve cheekers, Ollie Peart. Ollie got very bored of uh, sitting in his cupboard waiting for Chica to be ill or on holiday. So he's done his own podcast, uh, which is about skiing and ski culture specifically. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what that means. Oh, I know a lot about ski culture. It's it's your big jumpers, your log cabins, your skinny women and you know what's very you know what's very popular in ski lodges last year? COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's another podcast about the coronavirus. Get lots of very middle class people in a sweaty room in the Alps and we'll have to stay in our flats for a year. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah, so it's that but in podcast form. Eddie the Eagle Edwards coughing on people. <laughs> Anyway, these are the highlights of the first season of The Apres. If you like them, go give them a subscribe and a follow. If you don't, delete this and wait for us to come back and talk nonsense about fast cars and uh, rich idiots. My name is Ollie Peer and this is...
2: Tim Warwood. Can you believe he's the famous one? Yeah, I can. Better
3: looking as well. Probably richer.
2: You've got three kids, you're definitely not richer. And this is The Apres, where we celebrate everything that happens after the skiing takes place. This week...
3: We pick our favourite moments from the series, including...
1: Despite the fact our lives could be so divergent, we don't even know each other, and yet that drop is going to affect us as one.
2: Vic Hope chooses her favourite tracks for the ultimate Aprey
4: experience, and... <laughs> I've got about 30 seconds in to Thunderstruck, and was like... And this thing's like... <laughs> uh, uh, uh.
3: Ski Sunday's Edley reveals his dark side.
2: If you've ever dreamed of an alpine ski holiday and are wondering where to start then this is the show for you. The once snowy mountains will be nothing more than grassy hills full of goats and golfers. The sound of the shred will be replaced by Austrian yodlers telling everyone to eat mints or whatever. As the earth continues on its cosmic merry-go-round, our time in the log cabin for this series must come to an end. But before it does, we're going to take one last swig from the sugar-crusted memory bottle and regurgitate some of our best bits. So, Tim, what surprised you this series?
3: I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, spring straight in. It's the ingenuity of our guests. It's the fact that these people love the mountains so much. They love their skiing and snowboarding so much they'll go to such extreme lengths to do it. New dad, Jamie Nichols springs Mm. to mind first and foremost, locked down at home in Guildford, as far away from any snow as you can possibly get. um, He builds a mountain in his back garden. Well, off the roof of his new gym. Um, (laughs) Remember this? Lay down a couple of eight by four sheets. Went round the local dry slope, got a couple of bits of the dry slope mat in and then created this crazy little downhill drop in with a, rail to session all of his tricks and it it was a work of art his neighbors must have thought he was absolutely crackers
2: yeah Um, it's full on yeah i love it it's like you know the best i've got to putting together some kind of lockdown gym is buying some dumbbells and he's basically (laughs) (laughs) bought bought and put together some kind of like mountain piece he's actually gone and built another one i don't know if you've seen this on his instagram but he's bought another one or made another one he, he has made another get, one.
3: He got some professional scaffolders to build it because this one's so big, he couldn't have built the frame himself. So yeah. he's enlisted Guildford's finest scaffolders to come and erect a uh, Mount Guildford at the back of somebody's workshop. But do you know what? Above all that, I think the lengths that Phil Young went to to go mm. snowboarding, for me, were nothing short of remarkable. The guy saw snowboarding in a magazine and decided to copy it by tea leaf in a couple of plywood sheets and a tin of boat varnish from his local B&Q.
2: And we're going to play a bit of that for you in our chairlift chat. This is the part of the show where we jump on the chairlift with our guest and we have a, a little natter. So here's Phil Young.
5: So we were going on a a ski trip with the school, and uh, we had just found out about snowboarding. A friend of mine, a guy called Darren Robinson, he had bought a magazine in, and it was like a trade show magazine It had a picture of a guy on a snowboard. And we were like, what the fuck is that thing? We'd never seen it. It was like in the 80s sometimes, it was like, what is that? It's surfing on snow. And we were skateboarders at the time, It's like, we've got got to have ourselves some of that. So we we were also part-timing at do it all the the hardware store
2: <laughs> yeah the one. which is like yeah
5: a bit like b and q or home base we, we were scouring around do it all and we got all this 8 x 4 plywood and we shoved it out the back next to next to the skip at, at, <laughs> during the during the day and we and we're like oh, look, let's get some of that and then we got some boat varnish and we like we shove that round the back of the skip. <laughs> and then we got we got some <laughs> We got some angle beading. You know the stuff that you I think you put it on side of shelves or maybe there's expensive
2: uncle angle beading was is
5: expensive. Not, hey, not 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 when you're working at doing yeah. it. Hey. <laughs> And someone leaves the warehouse door open It ain't that expensive, uh, yeah. only. let me tell you about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so we got that and some, and some paint and we like, we came back late at night, skated out the air and we got it in the back of the van or someone's car or something like that. I was like, right, let's make some snowboards and take, them on, take them on our ski trip that we're going to in next week or something like that. So we're like, okay, well, what, uh, how, what? So we just had this picture, it was one picture of a snowboard in this french magazine and we're like well it's, it's clearly this isn't it and <laughs> someone someone found another picture of a, a burton cruiser or a burton safari and it had it had fins on it so there was two fins so we cut out fins we we got a sheet of metal or something we cut these <laughs> fins out of the side and like a, a keel do you know, you know those you remember the first snowboards they had a little keel in it yeah. A tiny little thing. I don't, know what the, I don't know what they were supposed to do. Anyway, so... I
4: think, we, I think we,
5: just to keep the whole thing going straight, Who knows, it? man? Yeah. Who knows? It was, it was ridiculous. We spent more time doing the graphics, to be fair. <laughs> How old were you On at this time? R- How old are you? 16 or Yeah, something. okay. My friend had got some walking boots, some coflash walking boots that I think he'd yeah. snuck out of the school as well. I had a pair of roller skates that... That was it, red and white roller skates. But I did also have the inserts, the liners of my ski boots. So I'm thinking, okay, well, look, what I I can do is use the liners of my ski boots that kind of cut the toe off the roller skate boots. So I took the roller skate and just screw the roller skate boots onto the top of the snowboard, put my inners in the inside and just lace it all up nice and tight. I thought kushy, we'll have some of that. <laughs> so we we got I don't know how we got on there. He must have wrapped him up in bubble wrap or something oh like that. Oh god! And stuck stuck him on the coach. We went to Cormeilles just underneath Mont Blanc. Anyway, and school teachers must have thought you were mad. I've no idea. I don't think they even knew, man. Oh, we, Ricky, we, just oh we, my god. we just had these things. They're like, what's that? What's that, young? That like, nothing, sir? Nothing. <laughs> Get in uh, get in the coach so one day it was a, it was a powder day and we're like okay oh, we can have some of this right?" right we've got the lift and then the next lift then we got like you know they have the top cable car that that doesn't really go that often yeah. and you get all the hardcore dudes in crampons and ropes and <laughs> transceivers and peeps going up and then us three lads from essex go- you know, and there was this black kid and these two guys, and we, we were just laughing. And they were like, hey, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Anglais, Anglais. Yeah. So we got up to the top, and we got out, and all these people... That's a bit, it's a bit of a crowd, to be fair. I'm not surprised. Crowd, I am like, not what, surprised. What, what are these lads doing? Darren strapped up. He actually he found some dude who had some winter... Not a winter stick, but it was like a fiberglass surfboard with... Rubber strap, so he was fine. He'd scored something in the town. Oh right. My, my other friend had something similar. He had the co-flash boots type thing, so they would strapped up. <laughs> I put my board down to uh, to strap up, and the fucker went off down the mountain <laughs> without me. Uh. Seriously,
6: I mean, it just
5: like what? Where's it gone? And I was like running down, you know, the powder to try and get try and catch up with this board because it, it clearly worked uh it must have been the boat varnish i was thinking right. <laughs> so it'd gone like about 50 meters 100 meters or something like that. ran down after it it was greeted with much hilarity by the locals as i'm sure you can imagine <laughs> but anyway we got we got up we strapped this thing down and and by the time we got to the bottom we could actually snowboard on these things we could Bye. get turns in not to mention that actually halfway down the mountain my my, my screws from my back foot actually came off so i was <laughs> so i Once was footed. i was one footed but there was still some screws kind of stuck up in the thing so i could grip on it a little bit but uh, i was very it was very entertaining and, and and well we got down i was like man i'm all over this i went home and was uh, reading Rad, a skateboard magazine at the time, and someone was selling a snowboard, and I've only been skiing once since then, for one afternoon, and that was only for yeah. a laugh. It just, it was like snow snowboarding ever since.
2: What a way to get into snowboarding and boat varnish!
5: It's a <laughs> hidden secret. <laughs>
2: yeah, just whack around the bottom of some boards. <laughs>
3: That was TV presenter Phil Young there, and you join us now, still on the chairlift, as we are whisked effortlessly up the mountain in this carefully maintained podcast illusion, of course. And this is where we gleaned some delightful confessions from some unexpected places.
2: For example, it's remarkable how many presenters of Ski Sunday are just a little bit filthy after hours, including you, Tim. (laughs) This is Ed Lee, and afterwards... Shemi Alcott I I want to ask you about that air guitar championship thing because I was wikiing you. I want to know about
4: Satan Whoppercock. What and how I got a job on the BBC after doing that. <laughs> I just want to know. I just want. To, I just want you to tell me everything there is to know about Satan Whoppercock. And I want to know who this alter ego is it started off matt barr the guy who does another podcast that i'm sure a lot of people anyone who's into action sports will know the looking sideways podcast we worked at white lines together and he got a commission from the guardian one week to go and seek out he said ed they've asked me to go and cover the air guitar championships just in case it's rubbish do you want to come along and just get up there and do something to make it entertaining so i've got something to write about I was like, oh yeah definitely so I had a, I made myself. I was pretty dab hand with the sewing machine back in the day, and I made myself an evil can evil suit, uh, like an all in one. <laughs> I went along in my evil can suit, and there was there were some really good people there. Like they'd got some good moves. Uh, I think they were called Bum BN3, which is like the Brighton postcode, uh, which is where we were living, and the event was held that year. But I went out, did "Don't Fear the Reaper" by the Blue Oyster Cult. And got joint first with them. And I decided never again I was going to win this. So in the year following, I developed the character, Satan Woppercock. And uh, yeah, I didn't get beaten again.
1: How do you win
2: an air guitar championship? There's no skill there. Surely you're just arsing around, throwing your hands in the air, jumping up and
4: down. So we'll start with the stage prep. I built a nine foot penis. With a detachable bell end in the back garden took me three months out of paper mache chicken wire and wood. The <laughs> fire extinguisher cost me 75 quid from a hokey ex fireman, and I didn't have enough money to test it, so I just rigged it up to the detachable bell end. The shaft split in half, uh, so those are the props that we're talking about. I'd met a uh, another hokey guy on a lay-by on the M40 and got bought a gerb off him an indoor firework that again I didn't test until I lit it about two metres away from the front row of the audience that was someone got a bit burned like there were some eyebrows went missing there oh my um, god like I've got a mate's mum to quilt the shoulder pads on the red pleather outfit I had spikes coming off it I melted two dildos onto an Alice band for horns <laughs> One of those snapped off and started hitting me in the face in the second year. It was like the start of *Lock, Stock and Two Smoking <laughs> Barrels*. When you, you know when he gets beaten to death with the dildo, it was horrific. It was, I got about 30 seconds in to *Thunderstruck* and was like, la la la," and this thing's like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> Ugh. it was so painful. I was like, "I'm not gonna." And then it broke off and shot into the audience and I'd never found it but then the actual moves yeah. like I had a couple of moves that like, mm-hmm. I've got very long tongue like I can pick my nose and touch the bottom of my chin with my tongue so that kind of gives disgusting. it the Alice Cooper feel and I'd cut mm-hmm. a lot of the music together so I'd have Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet to bring me out of the penis I'd have in the biggest one the last year I used Led Zeppelin a whole lot of love so the penis would shake as it reared up close to its climax and then it was cut in with Frankie goes to Hollywood relax don't do it ha, 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 Lord. and then I had my wife-to-be working the fire extinguisher and we hadn't tested it and this jet arced out of the top of the penis and hit the roof of the stage then she said, lean forward. So I leant forward a bit and the second one arced out into the crowd. Hit my aunt, in fact, who uttered the immortal words to my mum. Edwards just jizzed on me. Then I <laughs> leant back and the last of the fire extinguisher uh, just dribbled down the front. And then I smashed open the penis and lathered myself around in it. But the hardest part of all of it, you've built all of that and you've done all of that. My finishing... Pe- my finishing move was the face drop Uh. and i used this in conjunction with the old james brown i'm injured and someone would come out with my cloak and then put it around me and kind of walk me off stage but then i'd throw the cloak off and come out and do the finale but the face drop you swing the guitar around catch it behind your head you're then playing the guitar behind your head kind of acdc style mm. and then you fall forwards onto your face but you use your elbows which are poking out to break your fall and try and tuck your face in but i did i gave myself a good knock a couple of times like i wasn't acting when i got <laughs> carried off
2: <laughs> so there was no encore he didn't go back on afterwards all like smooth throwing off the thing but i dislocated i'll just show you quickly these are oh my god. clavicles oh
4: god and oh god what is that looks <laughs> like a thumb growing out of your shoulder yeah my collarbones aren't attached to my shoulders anymore and i did that in t- late 2002 i think yeah when your head's not attached to your body properly anymore you can't spend three minutes head banging at speed so <laughs> yeah i retired you had to Satan. give up yeah yeah undefeated yes yeah, so you I had to give up air guitaring because it
2: was it was more detrimental to your health than snowboarding
7: okay I, I'm, I'm gonna give i'm gonna give a story that turns into like a top tip for people in ski racing it's quite a big deal to make the bib draw and i'd never made one before and i went to st anton which is obviously full of brits and um i made this bib draw which meant that i was one of the top 10 in the training runs and i got to go on stage and they did this massive announcement and i went on stage and and i i have two ways of reacting to adrenaline and fear and this time I just saw all these people, like, chanting my name. I don't even think they were chanting my name. I think they were asking for more shots, but whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? I know what I do. I pull up my top. <laughs> oh, my God. And my first... And it it turns out, Ollie, this is actually my last ever bib draw. This is the only bib draw that I ever qualified for. And what did I do? I freaked out on stage, did these, like, stupid moves, and lifted up my top and showed everyone. Ever? I mean, there's nothing to see, yeah. but... There's got to be some psychological thing
2: there, there deep-seated psychological... Oh my God,
7: as I was doing it, I literally, I got to nipple height and I knew what was happening and I was like, don't do it, Shemi, don't do it! Oh God, you've done it! Because of that, I have this reputation of being quite wild, which is absolutely not true.
3: She was good, wasn't she?
2: She She was was good. good. She did actually do the shirt lifting. To us, shirtlifting yeah. sounds like she's some old bloke in in a, <laughs> in a park. But she did do it. But she did also have a T-shirt on underneath. Some kind of weird sort of nervous energy there as to the reason she does that. I might and start the, doing it. And
3: the best thing is that that wasn't even the main story. No. she That that was the precursor to the story that she told us. And she just Lef, didn't think that was a very good one to tell.
2: They're full on, these Ski Sunday presenters. And, and Satan Whoppercock.
3: Well, yeah, your your snowboarding equivalent of spinal tap. Just picture the papier-mâché. It's the fire extinguisher. extinguisher.
2: (laughs) It's that out of the tip that gets me.
3: Right then, let's get serious. Katie Ormerod and Jamie Nichols spoke to us about the pressures on them both when competing, as Katie told us on the chairlift.
8: I actually think I remember seeing some comments around that time where people were saying, you know, like it wouldn't be possible for a woman to do a double cork. And it was, you know, I wanted to prove them wrong, obviously, because, you know, women can do anything, and I'm a massive believer. Wow, hang on,
3: hang on. So before the (laughs) double cork, you saw comments, someone saying it's not possible for a woman to do a
8: double cork yeah like that I feel like oh that was God. like the theme you know like and and I went and did it and um, yeah, it was it was amazing like I went out there we literally had two days to get it done we took a filmer, uh, and no one else knew that I was going to do it and it was in the middle of my GCSEs as well which is pretty crazy <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I did it and it was the best feeling ever like I just felt on top of the world yeah when I landed that
3: at that point the you you know you were well known in the uk scene but you had the backing of red bull and they were there filming like you said and they pumped out this film and of course red bull were able to announce it to the world there and then and all of a sudden it was like oh my god who is this 16 year old girl that's just shunned her maths gcse <laughs> to go and put this trick down um how was that like all of a sudden everybody knew who you were how have did you handle that pressure
8: oh it was crazy like it was really great because i obviously i knew i wanted to just take snowboarding to the highest level i could and i really wanted to get those like big invites to the contest but it's so hard when you're young and no one knows who you are and um, and that really kind of like kick-started i guess like my professional career in the big contest i started getting the invites then look how far women snowboarding's come like in the last 10 years like it's progressed dramatically it's so exciting to see where it's going so yeah it's really cool that you know I was able to start that and now there's other girls sending it and we just keep progressing like it's so exciting to see because yeah girls are amazing and can do anything so yeah just want to keep proving everyone wrong
2: But but do you feel like that's leveling up a bit now do you feel like you're getting less
8: of that now? No, I'm actually lucky. I don't really see too much of that anymore. So, yeah, I'm hoping that people see that, you know, like we're all training, we're all on the same courses and the same jumps as the guys, and we're all progressing and stepping it up. So, yeah, it's it's just good that we are doing that. But, yeah, it's annoying when people feel that they can say these negative things to someone that they don't even know like it's really frustrating and i guess that's one of the negatives about social media that people do have the right like well they think they have the right to like say what they want even if it's negative and could hurt someone but yeah um ultimately you know it's good that the girls are sending it and keep pushing the boundaries of what women can do on a snowboard
2: you know it looked to me like you guys were having the time of your life it just looked like so much fun and i've thought Man, I just wanna be there, I wanna be with these people and I wanna experience all of that.
6: That's the beauty of like social media and things like that is it shows all the good bits, but you don't see all the stuff behind closed doors where the pressures and the financial situation like I mean for snowboarders to go to an Olympics it's a very costly thing. And UK sport is very good and they do you know, but it it barely I mean if you've got a house and you're paying a mortgage and you're paying bills at home. That covers pretty much that. And then what do you have? You have your sponsors to try and get you around the world. And it costs a lot of money. And the thing is you've got that kind of pressure on you. You've got results pressure. And you've got all this going on. And it's, it's just all happening in your head and stuff. And it's just, I don't know. It kind of, it feels really sad to say. But like Sochi, the lead up to Sochi was never about, it wasn't like it is now. Like it was we i i barely qualified for sochi by the way so like it was with the skin of my teeth because at the last few events i decided to, oh, i want to go and i didn't really take much notice of it i was you know doing nike projects as doing lots of filming and stuff and i was really enjoying it and i was like look like i'm just gonna try and do it so the last three events happened on the lead up to sochi I'd, i managed to scrape in and qualify really like un, <laughs> un- unorganized um and then I did the Olympics and stuff and then it was amazing. Like got a huge buzz off it, kind of threw my name out there to like kind of it, a little, like more than it had, like more than it had, you know, previously, obviously, because it's the Olympics. And then after that was when it just went, so, it just went like a sharp, like nosedive, like down. Like I just felt rubbish. I felt like my creativity when I was riding had gone. Like I really felt, just didn't feel creative anymore and um, I did four like four years where I just felt like I didn't know what to do with my with myself in my snowboard career as far it I was really struggling it's like do I do another Olympics and do I not and it basically if anything it kind of ruined four years of my snowboard career I feel like because I spent I just focused everything onto that and I kind of, I don't know why. It's like almost if you're with a manipulative girlfriend and everybody outside is telling you it's not good for you and then, and you can't see it. And it took me a while to see, it took me till after Pyeongchang to see it. And I know from everybody seeing it from the outside, it looks amazing, but really it's, it's not that great. I mean, you stood at the top of a course in Quebec, it's icy and it's minus 20. Like, why would you want to be there? I don't. (laughs) Like, like, you're in russia and you're like it's too cold to run the lifts but we'll just make you hike up it's fine and you can you know stand at the top freezing and your face is literally like ice and you're you're there like having to perform triple corks it's like nah like after the last i'm done (laughs) this is not for me anymore so that's why i walked away not only for you know, myself and because I wanted to do other stuff, but for my mental health too, I just it wasn't right for me and I, I couldn't, I just know, couldn't cope with it to be honest.
2: But you're in a good place now,
6: in a good place now, yeah. But I mean, Jen's a like my wife Jen's just been incredible because she's actually like been with me on those massive highs and huge lows and helped me get back up and you know, taught me to you know, believe in myself and just do what follow your heart and do what you enjoy the most whether it earns you money or not just go out and enjoy it so that's what I decided to do and you know snowboarding is not in a good way anyways and um, there's not really budget being flown around and sponsors like they were in the Nike days and um, I mean they were the good days um, but it's different <laughs> now <laughs> it's totally different
2: it's so great to hear that you're you know you're doing well now you know we all have our like ups and downs and stuff but... exactly
6: and it's I just I'm not really a person that's that open about, I don't really tell, ta- and this is the problem, isn't it? It's like, if you're not open and you don't talk to people about stuff like these low points is, you know, God forbid anything happens but you don't, like, it's falling in that trap and not speaking and obviously I think now, and I've lost you know, I've lost friends as well who have not reached out and I thought they were absolutely okay, like, friends that don't snowboard, but friends like, and it's it's hard man, like, you definitely, it's good to speak out and I I believe, you know, I try and do a lot now, like in supporting people and just even if I haven't heard from someone in so long and just reach out and ask if they're okay because I think it's important.
2: That was actually a really fascinating chat with Jamie. It's such a surprise because he's a really sort of bubbly, like funny chap and you just don't expect that from people in that, in that kind of position. So it was it was really fascinating.
3: Yeah, real uh, real pleasure to have him on. Right then, finally, we do like to do some fun and games, and out of everyone that came onto the podcast, I think Vic Hope provided our best playlist for The Slopes, and probably the only game
2: that worked in the whole series. What are you talking about? That's well, nonsense. All of the quizzes were brilliant. Do you know what, well, actually? Do you know how much This'll time I spend... Well, I spend so much time on every single one of those quizzes. Like I, 15 we minutes we before you even before you even jump on the call, Tim Warwood. Typing away, tabbity-tap-tap, tabbity-tap-tap. right, at Trying least to, three minutes. And sometimes it doesn't come together. In the case of Shemi, right? Yeah. She's not even from the place where she said she was from on her Wikipedia, which I hope's been changed. Nobody God, probably changed damn it. it. Who made the internet all wrong? I'm just saying, don't have a go at me, all right? I put a lot of work into that. A lot of effort.
3: Anyway, whatever. This is Vic Open, her attempt to ski her way around Ollie's fiendish quiz before telling us the tracks that she listens to for that apre life that we are all ever so missing right now.
2: Oh, would you look at that view? Can't see a thing. Still, there's only one way down, Vic, and that's through the slalom. Uh, there are five gates between you and a frosty pint at the bottom of the hill. Yes, and
3: to get to the bottom, you're going to need your wits about you. You need to be sharp, the master of detection.
2: You see, Vic, since our first episode, we've learned that we do, in fact, have listeners. Oh, wow. And I love your astonishment. We want to get to know those listeners a little better. So... This is a missing words challenge. Oh, OK. To clear a gate, you need to guess the missing word in our genuine... These are genuine listener-submitted stories.
3: This is one of my stories. I once went what with Chris Akabusi?
1: Um,
2: uh, skinny dipping.
1: Went
7: feral.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know what he's like. I, I, once, I once went snowboarding <laughs> oh with Chris Akabusi. <laughs>
7: no,
2: he went feral. Uh, you get the idea, okay. clearly. So Tim's going to be on hand with his exceptional commentary skills to describe how you take on each gate. Okay.
1: So are you ready? Yes. Oh, I love this. Okay.
2: Number one. Yes. I was bartering with a lifty in Bulgaria for a pair of goggles at ten quid. He got bored and opened up his coat
1: to reveal a blank. Um, Beaver in his pocket.
3: (laughs) Oh, it's a nice star, but the. Oh, she's skied off and she's gone. Oh, she's snagged a ski and oh, it's gone horrible. Oh no, she's missed the
2: first gate. The answer was pistol. He paid him 15 quid in the end. Question two. Front tooth knocked out by a what one hour after arriving in resort? Beaver in my pocket.
3: (laughs) She's made the same mistake twice, Tim. (laughs) Oh, she's missed the second gate. Oh, she's having a
2: shocker. It was a snowball. Question three. My my first snowboard trip after my cancer treatment, brackets, successfully finished. I had a tap on the shoulder at the top of the lift and it was my... Friend, Chris Akabusi. Close (laughs) oncologist. Oh,
3: wow. Oh, look at this. She's missed the gate. Gate three gone absolutely
2: horribly wrong. On to gate four. Got plastered on the first night. Stood up on an upturned what? Three holes in the base of my foot for a week.
1: Uh, Uh,
3: plug. Yay. What a gate there. Look at this now. The
2: speed really ramping up. She's in the green. Wow. In Moving your face, instructor five. in Austria. <laughs> Had a pretty low skill, high speed wipeout slash yard sale. Picked myself up and carried on. End of the day, realised my what was missing. Beaver in my pocket.
3: And she's round the last gate. Oh, it's a terrible turn as she ducks for the
2: line. And oh, she's 19. Oh. That story was from gold medal winning Matthew Pinsent, by the way. And that what, you've just dissed there with your beaver in a pocket.
3: <laughs> Friend of the show, might we add. Matthew I'm
2: Pinsent. Sorry, Matthew. What was
1: the right answer? Watch. 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 Yeah. He got it back. Still wears it. Oh, fantastic. Tell you what, though. I feel like if you had a beaver in your pocket instead... Not only could you tell the time, but think of the fun in the japes. Do do you have a saying? Is it just in Newcastle or is this a a, a saying for everyone that you're wetter than Notters pocket? Because isn't that a sexual? I think it might be. But just to check. I wasn't sure if it was a thing everyone said.
3: When I did the Olympic commentary and received 332 (laughs) official Ofcom complaints. What did you say? One of them was for when I described one of the snowboarders being as loose as a wizard's sleeve. Yeah, you can't <laughs> say that. You can't
1: <laughs> say that, Tim. Tim, you can't say wizard no. sleeve. Because you know but, why I know? Because but- I've done the same thing. Oh, have you? Yeah. No,
2: you
3: can't say that can't on it. You can't
1: say wizard
2: sleeve, they no. They don't like that. <laughs> was this a naive was this a naivety of knowing what it actually meant it was i didn't know what it meant I, until well that's what i mean
1: i just thought it was a thing people say cuz it, it is loose you know yeah. With yeah. i mean they it are, is a thing yeah. people yeah.
2: <laughs> <are> loose.
1: <laughs> spacious Fucking hell. voluminous
2: yeah. heading to the mountain without music in your ears or in your head is like reclette wrong uh, each week We like to dive into our guests' cranial R-Price to pick out their top picks for the mountain, which will be added to our super-duper mega playlist on Spotify. Also, raclette's not wrong. Raclette's lovely. It's really
1: nice, actually. Love a raclette. Yeah. Come on, it's just cheese and potatoes. Yeah, that's nice.
2: Anyway, this is the part of the show where we ask you to pick your tracks for the mountain. So we're going to kick things off with the chairlift. You're on the chairlift and you're on your own because you couldn't get your ski pass to scan on the gate uh, your mates are in front of you uh, what are you listening to on the way so up so to I've
1: gone for Lizzo good as hell because huh. because she was one of the last gigs I went to before the lockdown and it was Brixton Academy and there was this, this general vibe that was probably the most euphoric I've ever experienced at a gig. It felt like I was in a church and people were speaking in tongues. We were in a year that was difficult already. People are feeling down and what they needed right then was self-love. They needed to love themselves, to lift themselves up and there was this feeling of ascension and I just thought, you know what, a chairlift is taking you up. It's a very similar sensation. This this for me is a moment that will stay with me and, and it stays with me is particularly because I miss live music it so much i'm holding it in my heart so that's that's where my mind's going for this That is a sensational
2: choice. I mean, everybody loves Lizzo, don't they? She's incredible. Yeah, she's
1: honestly the energy on the stage is insane. When she's twerking while playing her flute, you're like, I don't know what <laughs> world I'm in, but I'm in Lizzo's world right now. And she's she just she makes you feel good. She she reminds you that it's it's not about anyone. There's so many songs on that album because I love you that are so uplifting, especially as a woman. It's all about knowing yourself, loving yourself not needing anyone else, celebrating yourself, it's a celebration so I think when you're on your way up, because I always say that the best bit of everything is the bit just before, the best bit of a night out is the bit where you're doing pre-drinks with your mates just before you go out, the best bit of going home to see my family is on the train just as I pull into Newcastle and I see the bridge and I get excited, the best bit of a holiday is drinks in the airport before you get there it's the anticipation, so I think there's a real vibe of anticipation in her music, It's, it's that bit that she just she just captures um an excitement a lust for life that you're about to fully immerse yourself in basking and that's what you're doing when you're in that chairlift
2: so you're you're at the top you get you're getting ready to ride down the hill. You need to change tracks now. What what are you going for? I
1: really struggled here because there were so many different songs that I thought could be right. You want something atmospheric, don't you? Because that incredible view that you're taking in, all the sights and smells and sounds of of rushing down that mountain. So do you want to go for something like the knife heartbeats? Do you want to go maybe for for like a bit of Jean-Jacques smoothie to people like fully atmospheric? Like let's get dubby with this. Or do you want to go for... Something with, like, a real evocation in the lyrics. Something that you can really listen to that it's almost like it's articulating your time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go with the streets and I'm going to say, let's push things forwards. Because lyrically, like, remember how Mike Skinner was dissed when he first came out by so many radio DJs who were really like, oh, you know, it's not proper music. He made it in his bedroom. Like, he's not a real rapper. But no, it's poetry. He articulates things that we might have felt but never had the words to say so concisely that it is genius the way that he puts it together and i think that song you know we're literally pushing forwards he's talking about moving forwards in the way that we 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 take on culture the way that we listen to music like he's saying fuck the major re- labels let's do things in a different way and i think that's the feeling that you want when you're sliding down a mountain probably on my bum let's face it
2: so what's the story?
6: Guaranteed
2: accuracy in Latest technology. I, I love The Street so much. When I was growing up, I, I played the drums and that was my go-to album to play to, to the streets, just play the drums. Because that, that, his debut album was just like a... It, the whole thing was like a little Original pirate material, like, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was the one, yeah. And I... Man, oh, you've taken me back. I'm so pleased you brought that song. Yeah. That's so good. Right, you've had your day. Your legs are shattered. You've been sliding down the hill on your ass all day. It's time to hit the bar. you're in the app, pray. what are you asking for?
1: I'm asking for one song and one song only, and it is Groovamada superstyling because Ooh. when this is all over, the first thing I'm gonna do when I get to dance with people that I don't even know sweat with people I don't even know, they feel my sweat, I feel theirs. And we rise as one at the same moment, feeling the same thing, despite the fact our lives could be so divergent, we don't even know each other. And yet that drop is going to affect us as one. That is unity. And that is uplifting. The sun will be beating down on my skin. We'll all have cinnamon tans and it's going to be beautiful. Just imagine it. Oh my gosh. A big sweaty (laughs) stink. I cannot wait. That song is the one. Man, I can't wait to add these to the playlist. Describe the folly
3: douche right there.
1: Perfect. (laughs) Well, that's about it. I've loved it. It's been so nice to chat to you. Um, I hope we get to go skiing, snowboarding sometime. I'm not the best person. I mean, I don't know if you got the impression from the things I've said and the stories that I've told that maybe I'm not that much fun to be around on the mountain, but I'm having a great time.
3: Just make sure you've got insurance if we're going together. That's all I'll
1: say. I I will try the tricks. I'll try and do the tricks.
3: Hey, the title's the big giveaway of this podcast, APRE. And that is what it is all about. And we cannot wait Mm. to go and indulge in a bit of APRE with you, Vic Hope. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank
1: you for having me, guys. Thank you. Yes.
2: Vic Hope, everyone. Yeah she was great she was amazing well that's it I'm afraid that's the end of the series (laughs) I know if you're new to the show though you can go and check out the whole series you can just pick a guest and jump in whenever you fancy even if it is summer
3: yeah absolutely and don't forget to make sure you are following the podcast that way you'll hear our brand new episodes as soon as we come out of hibernation
2: and we'll continue to share our favourite videos and lots of fun things over on our Instagram at theaprepod Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Ollie. And thanks to our producer, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. We'll see you on the slopes in the winter. Ooh. <laughs> Have a nice summer. Bye.
7: Sports Social Podcast Network.